Hi there, and welcome to The Works. I'm Ben Peltier. And I'm Ben Che. In part two of today's show, we talk to an artist born in Portugal in 1979 who has lived in Hong Kong and examined Hong Kong in his work since 2006. He's João Vasco Paiva. And in our studio, we'll have two very young piano-playing brothers from the Netherlands who are in town this week to perform with the Hong Kong Philharmonic. They're Lucas and Arthur Eusen. But first, British artist Mark Quinn's works include a head made of his own frozen blood, giant seashells and orchids made of metal, paintings of meat, and sculptures of humans who have either been born with limbs missing or have modified their own bodies through surgery. Earlier this year, the works filmed a major retrospective of his work at the Venice Biennale. Last month, the artist himself came to town to open an exhibition at the White Cube Gallery. The theme of this year's Venice Biennale was the Encyclopedic Palace. Away from the central exhibition and national pavilions, on the island of San Giorgio Maggiore, a monumental sculpture of Alison Lapper, pregnant, heralded an encyclopedic retrospective of the works of British artist Mark Quinn. The exhibition, presented by the Giorgio Cini Foundation, highlighted the sometimes bewildering variety, but also the underlying themes of Mark Quinn's work. In November, he came to Hong Kong to open Held by Desire, a show featuring some of his more recent pieces. Among them is the architecture of life, one of many shell pieces that illustrate the theme of transformation, embodying how a small marine invertebrate transforms part of its body into a place of security. Transformation is, is, is life in a way. I mean, there's biological transformation, then there's transformation that people do to themselves. Then there's art, which is taking material and transforming it into something else. So I think transformation is life in a way. Among the Hong Kong exhibits held by desire is a sculpture of a bonsai tree that represents for Quinn how humans manipulate nature to their own desires. I brought the tree in the Chelsea Flower Show. It was the gold medal winner in the bonsai section. So, and then I scanned it with a 3D scanner to make the sculpture. Among the objects humans transform are their own bodies. His twin sculptures of Buck and Alana on show in Venice are portraits of two transsexuals who have features of both genders and who've surgically transformed themselves. Buck and Alana are doing to their bodies what we do to a bonsai tree, trying to shape it to our desire, shape it to what we want it to be. And I guess, in a way, the person who tends the bonsai and the person who transforms their bodies through surgery are both artists in a way, but they're not doing it consciously, it's an unconscious thing, and they're using their body or a tree as a medium. And as an artist, it's more my job to look at things and to present them in a way that perhaps makes you think about the themes behind it. Quinn, too, has used his own body as a medium most notably in his self-sculptures, frozen sculptures of his head made from 4.5 litres of his own blood. It's a self-portrait in the truest sense, in which even the medium 
is from the self. The areas that science is interested in, the areas that I'm interested in are kind of similar areas. You know, the ideas of, of our relationship to nature, the ideas of our relationship to biology, to our bodies, to other people. And so I think it's more that science and art look at the same areas, our relationship to the world, to other people, to our bodies. But in a way, science is looking for answers and art is looking for questions. Quinn's meat paintings seem in some way related to the blood sculpture, representing the physical reality of what it is to be human, to have a body. The meat paintings are based on photographs I took of meat, but then afterwards I paint them with oil paint and an airbrush, but in quite a systematic way, in quite a process way. And they do have that thing of when you're far away, it looks like a photograph, and when you get closer, it breaks up into paint. So it's kind of, it almost it melts as you get close to it, and then comes back together when you go further away. And I like that, that there's a, there is a moment in the painting that's not just one thing. In the painting, past, present, and future, pregnant model, Lara Stone, poses seductively against a background of raw meat, echoing the pose of Manet's Olympia. The Lara picture is past, present and future where you have the dead flesh, the living flesh of her and then the flesh of the baby being made. So it's like a cycle of life. The flower is the reproductive organ of the plant. In Mark Quinn's orchid sculptures, the delicacy of a flower is transformed to something monumental, vulnerable, and even perhaps disturbing. Quinn also plays with the idea of scale in his iris paintings, which not only show part of the human eye, but also the totality of the planet on which we live. I started doing iris paintings a few years ago and um, originally they're just portraits, well not just, they're portraits of people so I'd photograph the iris and make a painting of it and then also I was looking at a globe on my desk and I was looking at the map and I suddenly realised that that was circular too and that also I've been looking for a way to symbolise the way that with the 24-hour news cycle and all this that we carry the whole world in our mind the whole time and perhaps in a slightly paranoid way and so by putting these maps across the eye it seemed to kind of work together very interestingly. Quinn's before and after human series of paintings depict the powerful churning seawater from which all life has come. The most recent don't include human figures although the earlier ones on show in Venice did suggest a return to our origins. Not all the variations of the body Quinn examines are voluntary. Many of his sculptures also represent people born without limbs. It's about the um, idea of what a perfect body is or what, how people look at the outside of someone's body and read the inside. It's these kind of ideas more. All things to do with the body obviously come together because they're all about 
being a human person and being incarnated, being in a body, I suppose. Part of being in a body is being transient, in a constant state of change. That transience is reflected in Quinn's sculpture of artist Alison Lapper, pregnant. I think people find it difficult to have a contradiction. So you have a thing that's big, but also it's vulnerable, and that slightly is... People want something big to be solid, or they want something vulnerable to be small, or something, I don't know. But I just think that what was interesting to me is the idea that it's this kind of almost like a living, breathing thing um, that's reliant, that's plugged in. It's a bit like a monumental version of the blood sculpture. So if you unplugged it, the whole thing would just collapse. So I like the idea of something really monumental, but also really vulnerable and like living, breathing. It has air inside it. It's kind of connected to the infrastructure. It only exists because it's plugged in. It only exists because we live in a society and not as individuals. So I guess, you know, some things will last and some things won't. Some things are made for now and some things are made for after. But then on the other hand, if someone looks after something, like this tree behind me, the original tree is 300 years old, so generations of people have looked after it. So if they can look after this tree, then maybe they can look after a frozen sculpture too. Mark Quinn's exhibition will run until January the 4th at the Y-Cube Gallery. We'll be back after the break. See you then. Welcome back. After graduating from the Porto Arts Institute in his home country of Portugal, Joao Vasco Plaiva moved to Hong Kong to complete a Master of Fine Arts and Creative Media. He graduated in 2008, but he's still here and still making works that focus very much on Hong Kong and its urban environment, as you can see in his current exhibition at the Edward Maling Gallery. I think it's more about uh, my position in this city than the city itself. I think I have a, some, some kind of very privileged position here, and in a very natural way that became the setup I choose to do my work. The video somehow puts the exhibition together and makes you real. I am erasing information, that I am deleting information, removing everything. As a foreigner and the artist in a foreign, uh, in a foreign country, maybe I can relate that with, um, with, <laughs> with the Portuguese sailors that arrived Hong Kong 500 years ago and that were being confronted with something completely uh, different and something that they couldn't understand. I think the density of it, not just the density of the architecture, but the way people live here, uh, makes, it, uh, makes it very clear to see uh, how, let's say, humans deal with their environment. It's like a very a small condensed model or, or a laboratory where you can observe mankind. Since moving to Hong Kong in 2006, João Vasco Paiva has been reflecting his fascination for the city's urban spaces and its natural elements in installation works and audiovisual art. His current exhibition, Near and Elsewhere, draws compositions and objects that people might normally overlook from that urban landscape. 
And around Ennessy Road and Lockhart Road, there's a lot of shops that were closing down. And yeah, when the shops close in Hong Kong, they get covered with all this advertising for rental. These posters, they are put together by many people, by different companies that put posters on the wall. I start photographing these arrangements and erasing all the text. And that's when the first ideas for the paintings come from. The shape of the painting is exactly the shape of an arrangement of those posters. I don't know if you recognize what these are or what these were in the beginning. I was buying wood and to cut the wood they put these on the floor to, to work as a buffer for the saw so the saw doesn't touch the floor. So if you look closely all these uh, cuts were made by workers on one or two days of work. I think there's something that it's very curious about these objects is that they encrypt human actions. They are a mix of resin with the stone powder. So they were casted from those styrofoam boxes that you see on the wet market. Somebody that make this, the original styrofoam box and then somebody else puts tape on the top and there somebody breaks it. And the only thing I did was to stop that process at some point, get the box, cast it, uh, including the tapes, casting everything and, and, and show it to you. When you are in a place and you don't, um, you have you keep a certain distance from the culture, from the language. Naturally, you get you start paying attention to other things, and uh, or like the like the boxes in the market, or or the way the things are organized. And I, I don't think, yeah, people are usually not aware of that, but they're not supposed to, or else you know it will be every day in ecstasy. Dutch pianist brothers Lucas and Arthur Eusen are young. They were born in 1993 and 1996, respectively, but despite their youth, they have been part of the international concert circuit for years. Lucas reached the finals of the three-day Rotterdam Piano Festival back in 2001 at the age of eight. Three years later, at the same age, Arthur was chosen as Young Talent of the Year at the National Contest of the Young Musical Talent Foundation. They're here in Hong Kong this week to play with the Hong Kong Philharmonic, and they're also here with us. Welcome to the studio. Thank, Thank you. you very much. I'd like to begin by asking you, it's hard enough to be a pianist, and, and then you have the extra challenge of being part of a piano duo. What are the uh, special challenges that being part of a piano duo entail? Ooh, um, well, I think the first special challenge is that, that you have to play together all the time, and uh, you have to be on the same line, uh, talking about playing and the, the musical ideas, and that, that can sometimes be difficult. Although, I have the feeling that with him, most of the time, we are on, on one line and we agree with each other. Right. Do you guys actually have to schedule rehearsal practice time, or, or do you practice separately? How does that work? Well, actually, it's a, it's a little bit it's free. Sometimes, we, if, we, if we want to, we play together, and sometimes we have a day that that we think, ah, oh, we, just, we just practice alone, and then we practice alone, so it's, it's not very strict like that. I mean, sometimes we, we quarrel, quarrel a little bit, but when we know we have a concert, we usually uh, just um, make peace again, and uh, we, we say to each other, okay, let's be, 
let's be serious right now, stop fighting. Right. Uh, now, regarding plans for the future, is, is this the kind of thing where you think, oh, in five, ten years, I'd like to be doing something, or, or you don't have a plan? Yeah, well, I, I'd love to. I mean, traveling all around the world and, and, and play concerts and uh, make people happy, that's the, the most beautiful thing in the world. So, yeah, I would love to do that. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, it would be my dream, yeah. Uh, what can you perform for us here in the studio? Uh, a bit of uh, Bizet's Children's Games, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, we'll be playing uh, three pieces from uh, Bizet's Children's Games. The uh, first one is called La Toupie, which means the toll. Uh, the second one, uh, La Poupée, the doll. And the third one, uh, Le Ball, the, the ball, children's ball. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. 